Chapter Fifteen of *The Night Side of Nature*, or *Ghosts and Ghost Seers*, Part Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie Barclay. *The Night Side of Nature* or *Ghosts and Ghost Seers* by Catherine Crow. Chapter Fifteen, Part Two apparitions seeking the prayers of the living the following particulars are worth observing in the evidence of a girl sixteen years of age called margaret labesberg who was confined for ten days for plucking some grapes in a vineyard she says she knew nothing about the spectre but that she was greatly alarmed the first night at hearing the door burst open and something come shuffling in eslinger bade her not fear and said it would not injure her the girl however being greatly terrified every night and hiding her head under the bedclothes on the fourth eslinger got out of her own bed and coming to her said do in the name of god look at him he will do you no harm i assure you then says the girl i looked out from under the clothes and saw two white forms like two lambs so beautiful that i could have looked at them forever between them stood a white shadowy form as tall as a man but i was not able to look longer for my eyes failed me the terrors of this girl were so great that eslinger had repeatedly occasion to get out of bed and fetch her to lie with herself when she could be induced to look she always saw the figure and he bade her also pray for him whenever he touched her which he did on the forehead and eyes she felt pain but says nothing of any subsequent swelling both this girl and another called nightheart who was brought in on the last day of margaret l's imprisonment testified that on the previous night they had heard eslinger ask the ghost why he looked so angry and that they had heard him answer that it was because she had on the preceding night neglected to pray for him as much as usual which neglect arose from two gentlemen having passed the night in the cell when on the tenth day the girl margaret l was released she said there was something so awful to her in this apparition that she had firmly resolved and vowed to be pious and lead henceforth a virtuous life some of them seemed to have felt little alarm maria barr aged forty-one said i was not afraid for i have a good conscience the offences for which these women were confined appear to have been very slight ones such as quarrelling etc in a room that opened into the same passage men were shut up for disputing with the police neglect of regulations and similar misdemeanours these persons not only heard the noises as above described such as the walking shuffling opening and shutting the door etc etc but some of them saw the ghost christian bauer deposed that he had never heard anything about the ghost but that being disturbed by a knocking and rustling toward three o'clock on the second morning of his incarceration he looked up and saw a white figure bending over him and heard a strange hollow voice say you must needs have patience he said he thought it must be his grandfather at which stricker his companion laughed stricker deposed that he heard a hollow voice say you must needs have patience and that bower told him that there was a white apparition near him and that he supposed it was his grandfather bower said he was frightened the first night but got used to it and did not mind it is my worthy observation that when they heard the door of the women's room open they also heard the voice of eslinger praying which seems as if the door not only appeared to open but actually did so we have already seen that this spirit could open doors in the seeress of prevorst the doors were constantly audibly and visibly opened as by an unseen hand and when she saw a spectre enter 
and i know to an absolute certainty that the same phenomenon takes place in a house not far from where i am writing and this sometimes when there are two people sleeping in the room a lady and a gentleman the door having been fast locked when they went to bed the room thoroughly examined and every precaution taken for they are unwilling to believe in the spiritual character of the disturbances that annoy them they are aroused by a consciousness that it is opening and they do find it open on rising to investigate the fact one of the remarkable proofs either of the force of volition or of the electrical powers of the apparition that haunted eslinger or else of his power to imitate sounds was the real or apparent violent shaking of the heavy iron-barred window which it is asserted the united efforts of six men could not shake at all when they made the experiment the supreme court having satisfied itself that there was no imposture in this case it was proposed that some men of science should be invited to investigate the strange phenomenon and endeavour if possible to explain it accordingly not only dr kerner himself and his son but many others passed nights in the prison for this purpose among these besides some ministers of the lutheran church there was an engraver called dutenhofer wagner an artist kapf a professor of mathematics at heilbrunn frass a barrister doctors seyfer and sicherer physicians hyde a magistrate baron von hugel etc etc but their perquisitions elicited no more than has been already narrated all heard the noises most of them saw the lights and some saw the figure dutenhofer and kapf saw it without a defined outline it was itself bright but it did not illuminate the room some of the sounds appeared to them like the discharging of a laden jar there was also a throwing of gravel and a heavy dropping of water but neither to be found professor kapf says he was quite cool and self-possessed till there was such a violent concussion of the heavy barred window that he thought it must have come in then both he and dutenhofer felt horror-struck as they could not see the light emitted by the spectre when the room was otherwise lighted they were in the dark but they took every care to ascertain that eslinger was in her bed while these things were going on she prayed aloud the whole time unless when speaking to them by the morning she used to be dreadfully exhausted from this continual exertion it is also mentioned that the straw on which she lay was frequently changed and examined and every means taken to ascertain that there was nothing whatever in her possession that could enable her to perform any sort of jugglery her fellow-prisoners were also invited to tell all they knew or could discover and a remission of their sentences promised to those who would make known the imposition if there was one dr sicherer who was accompanied by mr frass says that having heard of these phenomena which he thought the more unaccountable from the circumstances of the woman's age and condition etc she being a healthy hard-working person aged thirty-eight who had never known sickness he was very desirous of inquiring personally into the affair while they were in the court of the prison waiting for admittance they heard extraordinary noises which could not be accounted for and during the night there was a repetition of those above described especially the apparent throwing of gravel or peas which seemed to fall so near him that he involuntarily covered his face then followed the feeling of a cool wind and then the oppressive odour for which he says he can find no comparison and which almost took his breath away he was perfectly satisfied that it was no smell originating in the locality or the state of the prison simultaneously with the perception of this odour he saw a thick grey cloud of no defined shape near eslinger's bed when this cloud disappeared the odour was no longer perceptible it was a fine moonlight night and there was light enough in the room to distinguish the beds etc the same phenomena recurred several times during the night 
eslinger was heard each time the ghost was there praying and reciting hymns they also heard her say don't press my hands so hard together don't touch me etc the voice of the spirit they did not hear towards three or four o'clock they heard heavy blows footsteps opening and shutting of the door and a concussion of the whole house that made them think it was going to fall on their heads about six o'clock they saw the phantom again and altogether these phenomena recurred at least ten times in the course of the night dr sitcherer concludes by saying that he had undertaken the investigation with a mind entirely unprepossessed and that in the report he made at the desire of the supreme court he had recorded his observations as conscientiously as if he had been upon a jury he adds that he had examined everything and that neither in the person of the woman nor in any of the other inmates of the prison could he find the smallest grounds for suspicion nor any clue to the mystery which in a scientific point of view appeared to him utterly inexplicable dr sitcherer's report is dated heilbronn january eighth eighteen thirty six mr frass who accompanied him confirms the above statement in every particular with the addition that he several times saw a light of a varying circumference moving about the room and that it was while he saw this that the woman told him the ghost was there he also felt an oppression of the breath and a pressure on his forehead each time before the apparition came especially once when although he had carefully abstained from mentioning his sensations she told him it was standing close at his head he stretched out his hand but perceived nothing except a cool wind and an overpowering smell dr safer being there one night with dr kerner in order to exclude the possibility of light entering through the window they stopped it up they however saw the phosphorescent light of the spectre as before it moved quietly about and remained a quarter of an hour the room was otherwise perfectly dark the sounds accompanying it were like the dropping of water and the discharge of a laden jar they fully ascertained that these phenomena did not proceed from the woman i have already given the depositions of madame mayer the wife of the deputy governor or keeper of the prison who is spoken of as a highly respectable person mayer himself however though quite unable to account for all these extraordinary proceedings found great difficulty in believing that there was anything supernatural in the affair and he told eslinger that if she wished him to be convinced she must send the ghost to do it he says the night after i had said this i went to bed and to sleep little expecting such a visitor but toward midnight i was awakened by something touching my left elbow this was followed by a pain and in the morning when i looked at the place i saw several blue spots i told eslinger that this was not enough and that she must tell the ghost to touch my other elbow this was done on the following night and at the same time i perceived a smell like putrefaction the blue spots followed it will be remembered that eslinger had blue spots also mayer continues to say that the spectre made known its presence in his chamber by various sounds such as were heard in the other parts of the house he never saw the figure distinctly but his wife did she always prayed when it was there he however felt the cool wind that they all described the ghost told eslinger that he should continue his visits to the prison after she had quitted it and he did so the second night after her release they felt his approach especially from the cool wind and madame mayer desired him to testify his presence to her husband immediately there were sounds like a wind instrument and these were repeated at her desire the prisoners also heard and felt the apparition after eslinger's departure and mayer says he is perfectly assured that in this jail where the inmates were frequently changed everybody was locked up 
and every place thoroughly examined it was utterly impossible for any trick to be played besides which all parties agreed that the sounds were often of a description that could not have been produced by any known means but it was not to the prison alone that this apparition confined his visits to whomsoever eslinger sent him he went testifying his presence by the same signs as above described he visited the chambers of several of the magistrates of a teacher named neufer of the refendary burger of a citizen named rummel and many others of these only some perceived his presence by the noises the cool air the smell or the touch others saw the light also and others perceived the figure with more or less distinctness a mr dorr of heilbronn seems to have scoffed very much at these rumours and dr kerner bade eslinger ask the ghost to convince him which she did mr dorr says when i heard these things talked of i always laughed at them and was thought very sensible for so doing now i shall be laughed at in my turn no doubt he then relates that on the morning of the thirtieth of december eighteen thirty five he awoke as usual about five o'clock and was thinking of some business he had in hand when he became conscious that there was something near him and he felt as if it blew cold upon him he started up thinking some animal had got into his room but could find nothing next he heard a noise like sparks from an electrical machine and then a report close to his right ear had there been anything visible it was light enough to see it this report was frequently heard in the prison wherever the apparition once made a visit he generally continued to go for several successive nights he also visited professor kapf at heilbronn and baron von hugel at eschenau without being desired to do so by eslinger and neufer whom he also went to she knew nothing of when he visited dr kerner's chamber his wife who had prided herself on her incredulity and boasted of being born on st thomas's day was entirely converted for she not only heard him but saw him distinctly he visited them for several nights accompanied by the noises and the light one night while lying awake observing these phenomena they fancied they heard their horse come out of his stable which was under their room in the morning he was found standing outside with his halter on it was not broken and it was evident that the horse had not got loose by any violence moreover the door of the stable was closed behind him as it had been at night when he was shut up dr kerner's sister who came from a distance to visit them had heard very little about this affair yet she was awakened by a sound that seemed like some one trying to speak in her ear and looking up she saw two stars like those described by margaret liebesberg she observed that they emitted no rays she also felt the cool air and perceived the corpse-like odour this odour accompanied the ghost even when it appeared at heilbronn it is remarkable that some of these persons both men and women felt themselves unable to move or call out while the spectre was there and that they were relieved the moment he went away they appeared to be magnetized but this feeling was by no means universal many were perfectly composed and self-possessed the whole time and made their observations to each other all agreed that the speaking of the apparition seemed like that of a person making efforts to speak now as we are to presume that he did not speak by means of organs as we do but that he had imitated the sounds of words as he imitated other sounds by some means with which we are unacquainted for since the noises were heard by everybody within hearing we must suppose that they actually existed we who know the extreme difficulty of imitating human speech may conceive how this imitation should be very defective Duthenhofer and others remarked that there was no echo from the sounds as well as that the phosphorescence shed no light around and though the spectre could touch them 
or produce the sensation that he did they could not feel him but as in all similar cases could thrust their hands through what appeared to be his body the sensation of his falling tears and the marks they left seem most unaccountable and yet in the records of a ghost that haunted the countess of eberstein in sixteen eighty five we find the same thing asserted this account was made public by the authority of the consistorial court and with the consent of the family at length on the eleventh of february the ghost took his departure from eslinger at least after that day he was no more seen or heard by her or anybody else he had always entreated her to go to Wimmenthal, where he had formerly lived to pray for him and after she was released from the jail by the advice of her friends she did it some of them accompanied her and they saw the apparition near her while she was kneeling in the open air though not all with equal distinctness a very respectable woman called werner a stranger to eslinger whom she says she never saw or spoke to till that day offered to make oath that she had accompanied her to Wimmenthal, and that with the other friends she had stood about thirty paces off quite silent and still while the woman knelt and prayed and that she had seen the apparition of a man accompanied by two smaller spectres hovering near her when the prayer was ended he went close to her and there was a light like a falling star then i saw something like a white cloud that seemed to float away and after that we saw no more eslinger had been very unwilling to undertake this expedition she took leave of her children before she started and evidently expected mischief would befall her and now on approaching her they found her lying cold and insensible when they had revived her she told them that on bidding her farewell before he ascended which he did accompanied by two bright infantine forms the ghost had asked her to give him her hand and that after wrapping it in her handkerchief she had complied a small flame had arisen from the handkerchief when he touched it and we found the marks of his fingers like burns but without any smell this however was not the cause of her fainting but she had been terrified by a troop of frightful animals that she saw rush past her when the spirit floated away from this time nobody either in the prison or out of it was troubled by this apparition this is certainly a very extraordinary story and what is more extraordinary such cases do not seem to be very uncommon in germany i meet with many recorded and an eminent german scholar of my acquaintance tells me that he has also heard of several and was surprised that we have no similar instances here if these things occurred merely among roman catholics we might be inclined to suppose that they had some connection to the notion of purgatory but on the contrary it appears to be among the lutheran population they chiefly occur insomuch that it has even been suggested that the omission of prayers for the dead in the lutheran church is the cause of the phenomenon but on the other hand as in the present case and in several others the person that revisits the earth was of the catholic persuasion when alive we are bound to suppose that he had the benefit of his own church's prayers i am here assuming that all the above strange phenomena were really produced by the agency of an apparition if they were not what were they the three physicians who were among the visitors must have been perfectly aware of the contagious nature of some forms of nervous disorder and from the previous incredulity of two of them they must have been quite prepared to regard these phenomena from that point of view yet they seem unable to bring themselves under the category of sensuous illusions the apparently electrical nature of the lights and of several of the sounds is very remarkable as are also the swellings produced on some of the persons by the touch of the ghost which remind us of professor hofer's case mentioned in a former chapter the apparition of the dog and the lambs also strange as they are are by no means isolated cases these appearances seem to be symbolical 
the father had been evil and had led his son to do evil and he appeared in the degraded form of a dog and the innocence of the children who had been probably in some way wronged was symbolized by their appearing as lambs if i had lived as a beast said an apparition to the seeress of prevorst i should appear as a beast these symbolical transfigurations cannot appear very extravagant to those who accept the belief of many theologians that the serpent in the garden of eden was an evil spirit incarnated in that degraded form how far the removal of the horse out of the stable was connected with the rest of the phenomena it is impossible to say but a similar circumstance has very lately occurred with regard to a dog that was locked up in the house in this neighbourhood which i have several times alluded to where footsteps and rustlings are heard doors are opened and a feeling that someone is blowing or breathing upon them is felt by the inhabitants the holes burnt in the handkerchief are also quite in accordance with many other relations of the kind especially that of the maid of orlach and also that of the hammershin family mentioned in stilling's pneumatology when a ghost who had been as he said waiting one hundred and twenty years for someone to release him by their prayers was seen to take a handkerchief on which he left the marks of his five fingers appearing like burnt spots a bible that he touched was marked in the same manner and these two mementos of the apparition were carefully retained in the family this particularity also reminds us of lord tyrone's leaving the marks of his hand on lady beresford's wrist on which she ever afterward wore a black riband in several instances i find it reported that when an apparition is requested to render himself visible to or to enter into communication with other persons besides those to whom he addresses himself he answers that it is impossible and in other cases that he could do it but that the consequences to those persons would be pernicious this together with the circumstances of their waiting so long for the right person tends strongly to support the hypothesis that an intense magnetic rapport is necessary to any facility of intercourse it also appears that the power of establishing this rapport with one or more persons varies exceedingly among these denizens of the spiritual world some being only able to render themselves audible others to render themselves visible to one person while a few seem to possess considerably greater powers or privileges another particular to be observed is that in many instances if not in all these spirits are what the germans call gebannt that is banned or prescribed or as it were tethered to a certain spot which they can occasionally leave as anton did the cellar at wimenthal to which he was gebannt but from which they cannot free themselves to this spot they seem to be attached as by an invisible chain whether by the memory of a crime committed there or by a buried treasure or even by its being the receptacle of their own bodies in short it seems perfectly clear admitting them to be apparitions of the dead that whatever the bond may be that keeps them down they cannot quit the earth they are as st martin says remainers not returners and this seems to be the explanation of haunted houses in the year eighteen twenty seven christian eisengrun a respectable citizen of neckarsteinach was visited by a ghost of the above kind and the particulars were judically recorded he was at eherbach in baden working as a potter which was his trade in the manufactory of mr gehrig when he was one night awakened by a noise in his chamber and on looking up he saw a faint light which presently assumed a human form attired in a loose gown he could see no head he had his own head under the clothes but he presently spoke and told him that he was destined to release it 
and for that purpose he must go to the Catholic churchyard of Neckarsteinach, and there, for twenty-one successive days, repeat the following verse from the New Testament before the stone sepulchre there. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? So the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2.11 The ghost having repeated his visits and his request, the man consulted his master what he should do, and he advised him not to trifle with the apparition, but to do what he required, adding that he had known many similar instances. Upon this Eisengrun went to Neckersteinach, and addressed himself to the Catholic priest there named Seitz, who gave him the same counsel, together with his blessing and also a hymn of Luther's, which he bade him learn and repeat, as well as the verse when he visited the sepulchre. As there was only one stone sepulchre in the churchyard, Eisengrun had no difficulty in finding it, and while he performed the service imposed on him by the ghost, the latter stood on the grave with his hands folded in prayer, but when he repeated the hymn, he moved rapidly backward and forward, still not overstepping the limits of the stone. The man, though very frightened, persevered in the thing for the time imposed, twenty-one days, and during this period he saw the perfect form of the apparition, which had no covering on its head except very white hair. It always kept its hands folded, and had large eyes, in which he never perceived any motion. This filled him with horror. Many persons went to witness the ceremony. The surviving nephews and nieces of the apparition brought an action against Eisengrun, and they contrived to have him seized and carried to the magistrate's house. One day, at the time he should have gone to the churchyard, but the ghost came and beckoned, and made signs to him to follow him, till the man was so much affected and terrified that he burst into tears. The two magistrates could not see the spectre, but feeling themselves affected with a cold shudder, they consented to his going. He was then publicly examined in court, together with the offended family and a number of witnesses, and the result was that he was permitted to continue the service for the twenty-one days, after which he never saw or heard more of the ghost, which had been formerly a rich timber merchant. The terror and anxiety attendant on these daily visits to the churchyard affected Eisengrun so much that it was some time before he recovered his usual health. He had all his life been a ghost-seer, but had never had communication with any before this event. The Catholic priest in this instance appears to have been more liberal than the deceased timber merchant, for the latter did not seem to like the Lutheran hymn which the former prescribed. His dissatisfaction, however, may have arisen from their making any addition to the formula he had himself indicated. Footnote 5 it is to be observed that this is the sensation asserted to be felt by Reichenbach's patience on the approach of the magnet. End of chapter 15, part 2